Welcome to the Grace to the City podcast, an outreach of Grace Baptist Church of Southwest Ranches, Florida. We want to be a church that changes the world. Come learn more about us by visiting www.gbcministry.org. Let's take our Bibles this morning. We're going to go to Matthew chapter number one. Matthew number one. I don't know about you, but I am exhausted. If you're exhausted, say amen, all right? You've been out in the rain. Thank you for being faithful, standing in that pouring rain. I I saw that last night. I was was nice and dry under the gazebo, so that's where I was standing for some of the night. But I do want to thank you for your hard work, and I want to thank you for um, just the just those that spent the hours and hours and hours of work uh, preparing and building and, and just getting everything together. And truly, it was something that uh, really I believe that we're going to see some great fruit from over these next couple weeks, next couple months. We're looking in Matthew chapter number one this morning. We're going to talk today, just a short sermon, because I'm dead dog tired and you're dead dog tired. I ain't keeping you to 1230 today, so I promise to not do that. Unless the Lord leads something different. But my, my, we're going to look here in Matthew chapter number 1. And this is one of the Christmas passages. Uh, next week we're going to look at another Christmas passage about the greatness of our Savior. On Christmas, uh, Christmas Sunday and then on Christmas Eve we're going to go through the beautiful Christmas story. And sing Christmas carols and have a candlelight service on uh, Christmas Eve at 6 o'clock. A beautiful, beautiful thing that we'll do together. Matthew chapter number 1 though verse number 18 it says now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. What that means is this is how Jesus Christ's birth happened. It says when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And what happened was that Joseph was engaged to Mary and she wound up by the Holy Ghost being pregnant the Virgin Mary being pregnant with Jesus. And then it says here then Joseph her husband being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded a way to put her minded to put her away privily. What that means is that in the engagement period in this culture, uh, if a woman uh, wound up being pregnant in that engagement pr- uh, 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 segment in their life, they would actually be stoned to death. And it was very, very, very harsh uh, treatment uh, back then. And so Joseph, he was a good man. He loved Mary. He did not understand uh, what happened here. His fiance, the, the woman he loves, is pregnant, not with his child, but with the, the son of God. And, and to understand that he didn't understand. And so he wanted to put her away privately so she wouldn't face the, just the, the tradition of the day and, and face a, a harsh punishment. But while he thought on these things in verse number 20, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. So he got a vision from God saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. If you believe that, say amen. It says, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from the sleep, as did the angel of the Lord had bidden him, took unto him his wife. And he knew her not, till she had brought, her first, brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name, what's his name, guys? His name is Jesus. You know, Jesus has many names. 
There's many names of our Savior in the Word of God. I, I wrote some of them down. This is not an exhaustive list. But we have the name the Word. That's the Word is a name for Jesus Christ. We have Messiah, Jesus Messiah, name above all names. That's the, the word Messiah. The Greek version of the word Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, is the word Christ. And so when we say Christ, that means that the Messiah, it's the same thing. We're looking at the word Emmanuel, of course the name Jesus. Another name for Jesus is the Savior. He's the Lord. He's the Master. He's called the Son of Man, which is a, a title of great authority taken from the book of Daniel. And really, he's also named the Son of God. Jesus has many, many names. And each one of these names is like a beautiful facet of a diamond. I don't think she's here today, but we had one of our young ladies, Clara, Thomas and, and, and Stephanie Paul's uh, daughter, and she got engaged on Friday to Danny, just another young man in our church. And so I was, I was you know, we need to clap. They're not here, but we can clap for them. And it was kind of cool. I saw her walking around, and she had just a skip in her step, and she's walking like this, all right? And you remember when you got engaged maybe back in the day, and just how excited, a beautiful diamond. The diamond's beautiful because there's many facets. Well, the names of Jesus are, are beautiful uh, pictures, beautiful facets of a diamond. And today, I want to take this passage, and just for a brief time, I want us to look at uh, two of these names of Jesus Christ and really draw out, dr- really draw out some wonderful, beautiful truths that, that yes, they, they meant that 2,000 years ago. But there's some meanings in his name that apply in my life today, in your life today. It interacts with us on a day-to-day basis. It's Jesus Christ in, in real time. I want to encourage you today with what God can do right now in your life. And his name describes that beautiful, beautiful work. And so we're going to look at the first one. And we're going to go kind of out of order in this passage. But I do want to look at verse number 23 of Matthew chapter uh, number 1. It says, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name what's the next one Emmanuel Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us this was a prophecy a promise fulfilled I want you to go back with me to the book of Isaiah chapter number seven Isaiah chapter seven is where this prophecy thousands of years about 700 800 years before the birth of Jesus Christ this prophecy was given now pastor Jay how do I know the Bible is true do you believe the Bible is true, Pastor Jay? Yeah, I believe the Bible is true. If you believe that with me, say amen. Right? The Word of God is true. It's truth. Now understand one, one of the many reasons why I believe the Bible is true is by the fulfillment of prophecy. You can go back and you can see things that are predicted historically hundreds, maybe even thousands of years before they happen. You can line that up with, with, with the contemporary history. And there's no getting around the age of Isaiah when it was written 700 years before, before Jesus Christ. And Isaiah chapter number 7 is a prophecy that's fulfilled in Matthew number 1. Isaiah 7 verse number 14, here's the prophecy. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name what? Emmanuel, Emmanuel. This is a prophecy, prophecy that was given. And really the truth is that, that Emmanuel, back with me in Matthew chapter number 1, verse 23, it gives the interpretation of it. What does Emmanuel literally mean in Hebrew? Emmanuel literally means God with us. Let's say the definition, ready? God 
with us. And so we've been looking over these last couple weeks at, at different facets of how Je- in, 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 in different ways of looking at Jesus entering this earth. And it says, uh, we've been looking in, in Philippians chapter 2 and discussing how the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, God's eternal Son, left heaven to enter our broken world so that He could die for uh, our sins on the cross to save us. The whole mission of Jesus Christ is God coming down to be with us. Emmanuel, God is with us. And what that means is this. It's one thing if God is with us. It's another thing if God is with me. And if God was, is with you. And my encouragement to you this morning through the name of Jesus Christ, something that something beautiful about that name, Emmanuel, is that God is with you. God is with you. Can we say God is with me? Ready? One, two, three. God is with me. God is with you. When you look at that name, that means God's with you. He, he, and we'll, we'll kind of draw out some beautiful things uh, about this, but it, that's, that's powerful. Many times we go through life oblivious to the presence of God. Now, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I try to walk with God, but there's a lot of times in my life where I just don't get the fact that God's with me. Sometimes I think that God has forgotten me. You ever, been, you ever felt forgotten by God? You ever felt kind of like God's a million miles away and he's just so, so hard to get a hold of? It's kind of like a God, God, you, you, you call up God on the phone and all you get is the voicemail, right? All right and you feel that way. But God, really, with the word Emmanuel, means God is with us. He is with us in a very powerful way. I want to encourage you with this this morning. God is with you. What does that mean? Well, I've got to show you a few things. We've been looking in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews really, truly takes a, a lot of, explains a lot of these concepts. And there's two places, three places in Hebrews that I want to have you look at. Hebrews chapter 2 is a beautiful, beautiful truth when it comes to God being with you. If you're a believer in Christ, God is with you. You know that if you are not a believer in Christ, God is still with you in a way? You know, I, 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 I was speaking to a man a few years ago, a friend of mine. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing something that he shouldn't do. And a guy walked up to him and shot him three times with a, with a forty-five. If, if to understand, that's a very powerful weapon. And he had three uh, bullets from a forty-five handgun uh, lodged in his body. He spent like many months in the hospital recovering. And he was a, a guy that I, in, in my old uh, martial arts training gym, he, he was there and he would train with everybody. And just a, a, a guy that uh, just overcame a lot of physical difficulty. And I remember going up to him one day after hearing the story and I'm like, man, listen, do you believe in God? And he goes, I do believe in God. I said, well, listen, you've got three 45s in you. God believes in you, okay? God believes in you. God has been so good to you. To understand, if you're not a believer in Christ, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're just kind of, you know, maybe on the outside you are, but on the inside you're not, God is still after you. He's been so good to you. He's been so good to me. Every breath we take is his air. And every drop of water we drink is His water. And every ray of sunshine that we enjoy, it's His sun. And every beat of your heart, that's God causing your, your heart to beat. So even if a person just completely God, God is so good and God is so loving. God is so wonderful. He is with us. I, I love Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 17. 
Here's a passage that a little, little bit hard to understand, but there's something really wonderful inside it. Wherefore, in all things, it behoved him. We don't use the word behoved very much, but it, but it caused him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God. What does that mean? It means that when Jesus came to this earth, born in that manger, he was made like us. He was made like us. Have you ever been in a situation where you're going through a difficult time and people come up to you and they've not experienced the same difficulty and, 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 and they try to give you uh, words of comfort? H- have you ever been in that experience? You've been suffering and people come up to you, they don't have a clue what it's like to suffer and, 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 and it's just, they, they'll give platitudes and all things work together for good or, you know, it, you know, just little things like that. Yes, they're true, but they just don't meet what, what you're suffering. And it's frustrating. But have you ever walked up to, been in a situation, and a person walks up to you and goes, I know exactly what you're going through because I've been through it myself. All right, there's something different about that. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to suffer. I, I spoke to a man yesterday. Their, 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 their child is a little bit older, but is very sick, battling cancer. And I, my, my, my children have never battled cancer, but I, I do know what it's like to have a child in intensive care for six months and to see the, the, the threat of the life of my child. And, and, and I told him, listen, I know it's a little different, but I do know what it's like to have a desperately sick child. And, and let me tell you something. I, all I needed to know from people was I'm praying for you and I needed people to tell me I love you. So I told them, I said, listen, I'm praying for you and I love you, brother. And he went, thank you, because we know. We just know. When somebody says, I know what you're going through, there's just something beautiful and comforting about that. Well, the reality of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, is that God, verse number 14, this is a, a verse that, that you need to like highlight. This is a verse that you need to pack away in, your, in, the, in the treasure room of your heart. This is something when you're going through a very difficult time in your life, this is a place to go. I would put a, a circle in or, or write this reference in the front of your Bible. This is like a, an emergency you know, helpline here with God. It, it's so encouraging. It says here in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 14, seeing then we have a great high priest. That's talking about Jesus and one of, the, uh, one of the offices he holds with us. He's a great high priest that is passed into the heaven. Jesus, the Son of God. Let's hold fast our profession. That means we've got Jesus that died for us, was buried, and he rose again. And he's in heaven right now, so don't give up. That's really what it's talking about. Don't give up. It's teaching that. And then it says this, we don't have this high priest, this is Jesus, who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. What does that mean? That means that, that Jesus Christ knows what it's like. It says here, it says, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So you may face temptation, you may be battling those things. Jesus Christ knows what that's like. Jesus, you may be going through suffering. You may be going through betrayal. You may be going through lack of resources. You may be going through misunderstanding. Jesus Christ has experienced it all. Aren't you glad that you got a God that knows? He knows. 
He's with us. There's something powerful. And I know what you're going through. He knows. We can now boldly, in verse 16, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. If you're ever in a position of need in your life, this is a place to go to and just fill your heart with and go to your Savior. Say, I need some grace. I need some mercy. I need some help, Lord. Jesus Christ knows. Because God's with us, there's something beautiful, something wonderful. Hebrews chapter 13. Here's our third Hebrews. Hebrews 13, verse number 5. It says at the end of this verse, because God is with us, there's a truth. At the end of the verse, and you've maybe heard this before, it says this, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is constantly with us. He has entered this world. He's walked and experienced, but also because God's with us, he is always with us. He'll never not be with us. You can't shake God off your trail, okay? You know that? You can't run from God. You can't mess up enough for God. God is always there. You may say, Pastor Jay, I am so far from God. I used to be close to God. I used to walk with God. But I am so far, and he seems like a million miles away. It's because you're looking that way. But if you turn back to him, do you know where he's standing? Right here. God pursues us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. You may feel like God has left you. And the reality is your feelings aren't the the arbiter of truth. God's word tells us the truth. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He, uh, he, he, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7, because, teaches this, because God is always with us, it says that we can cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. You ever have a hard time sleeping? You ever have a hard time where you just are thinking about stuff and you're worried about stuff and you're stressed out about stuff? Anybody like me in here? Okay, okay, we're all kind of nutcases in here with all the stress, all right? What happens is you can carry a load and all this worry and all this trouble and because he's with us, what he says is just cast all my cares upon you. What does that mean? Well, you know yesterday, how, how many saw the little baby donkeys? All right, those are adorable. The, the miniature donkey was terrified of me. I don't know, but it was scared of me. But in the Bible days, the king, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, I don't think it was a miniature donkey, but it was a regular donkey, all right? But, but what they would do is they took the, you know when Jesus entered Jerusalem, they took the palm branches and they waved them and they took the blankets and they cast the blankets on the donkey and then Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, you know what I'm talking about? Well, that word cast, cast all your cares upon him, is only is used two places in the Bible. The one is this, they took the blankets and they put it on the back of the donkey. You could think how, the, how they put a little, little blanket on, the, on that little tiny donkey. Well, here's another thing, it says you can do the same thing, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. You just take him and you just dump him on Jesus. Oh, he sees so, seems so far away. I'm full of stress in my life. No, stop. Turn around. He's right there. Take it. Lay it on him. God is with you. Jesus is, is not somebody that we know about from thousands of years ago. He's not somebody that we just know about in Sunday school. He's a person that interacts with us in real time. He interacts in your life today. Jesus, his name Emmanuel, means God with us. Say God is with me. Ready? God is with me. I gotta stop 
Turn around. He's right there. Here's my problems, Lord. He carries our burdens because he cares about us. I love that. That's something beautiful. I hope that encouraged you this morning. Go back with you to Matthew chapter number one, though. Matthew chapter number one. Man, I told you I'd preach short, but I'm enjoying this. And you guys are listening, not falling asleep, most of you. One guy said, I'm going to bring one of those neck pillows for the airplane to church. And just kind of sit there. I said, okay. All right. But here's another name for Jesus Christ. Another name for our Savior. And this is the name we know the best. It says in verse number 21, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name what, guys? His name? Jesus. What does Jesus mean? What does Jesus mean? The definition of Jesus means this. It says, for he shall save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means salvation. It means savior. It means rescuer. The name Jesus literally means God is salvation. So so in their language, every time they would say Jesus, or in their language they say Yeshua, they would say, Mary would say, uh, God is salvation, come here. All right, rescuer, the dinner's ready. Joseph in the carpentry shop would be like, Savior, salvation, can you help me with this project? And he would run and and, and do that. To understand that, that Jesus means save us from our sins. I love these two words, save, and I love the word sin in this definition of Jesus Christ. Why? Because this person that saves us, he accomplishes something that I can't do for myself. And the word my sin, that's really my greatest need. My greatest need is not wealth, it's not health, it's not happiness. My greatest need is that I'm a sinner and I've got a big problem. And that's your greatest problem. You may think, well, sin's not my greatest problem. This is my greatest problem. Or that person's my greatest problem. No, our sin is our greatest problem. And Jesus, our Savior, he accomplishes something that we can't do on our own. He does something for us, then he fixes our greatest need. 1 Timothy 1 verse 15 said that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. The Apostle Paul said that. You could think of it like this. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and I'm the worst of them. You know, Jesus Christ saves really messed up people. If you are one of those messed up people that Jesus saved, say amen, all right? Listen, I, I know some of your stories. Y'all were messed up, okay? I try to keep my story kind of quiet because that was messed up, all right? The Lord, the Lord doesn't save the church lady, okay? Isn't that special? You know that lady, all right? The Lord, what he does is he saves really messed up people and he transforms them. That's the beautiful thing about the name Jesus, how Jesus saves people from their sins. And what is sin? Sin is breaking God's law. It's going our own way. I want to go and do what I want to do. I don't care. I want to follow my desires. We do that. We sin against God. Jesus Christ saves us from our sins. What does that mean? That means that Jesus Christ saves us from a horrific consequence of our sin. Jesus Christ came to this earth to die on, this, on the cross for our sins. He saves us from a, rescues us, delivers us from the horrific consequences of our sin. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 20, it says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. 
Okay, when we sin, the, our desert, our, what we deserve, what we earn is death. The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. And I understand that when, we, when I went through my life and just did what I wanted and just did not care what God said and wanted to make my life happy and do what I want to do, when I want to do, I would sin against God and sin against God. But there's a great consequence. It's a horrific consequence. It's death. Now, when we think of death, we, we think of eternal death, an, an eternal separation from God in a place called hell, but also our life is a dead life. We're separated from God in this life. That's really what death is now and for eternity. The Bible says in Romans that, that in Ephesians chapter 2 that we go through life without God. We don't have hope. We have no hope. We have no God. We're without God in this world. And to realize that there are billions of people on this earth that have no relationship with Christ, that have not been saved yet, and they walk through life, they have no hope. They don't know where they're going to spend eternity. They have no, nobody that's going to help them through life. They don't have God in this world. They're completely without God. I remember those days. Do you remember those days? You were spiritually dead. I was spiritually dead. And what Jesus did was he saved us from that horrific consequence. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, it says, but God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners it says Christ died for us he died in our place on that cross Jesus died for you and he died for me I remember as a 17 year old the moment I became a believer in Christ it's because this hit my heart I heard the good news all of my life I grew up in church. I could tell you every single Bible story. I could name the books of the Bible forwards and backwards. I knew, I knew so much, but I didn't know him. But I knew that I was a sinner, and I knew that I needed Jesus Christ, and I wanted Jesus Christ to be my Savior. But the thing that really touched my heart, changed my life forever, was the truth that hit my heart one night laying in my room that Jesus Christ died for me so I don't have to die. He paid for my sins. He did that. He saved me from sin's horrific consequences. We sang that song, Jesus Messiah. He became sin who knew no sin. It says that he became sin for us. God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. What that means is that Jesus Christ did this amazing exchange, the great exchange. He took our sins. He gave us his perfection so that we could be right with God, so that we could have a relationship with God. It's not through religion. It's not through ceremonies. It's not through baptism. It's not through the Lord's Supper. It's not through going to church. It's not through doing good. It's not not through just kind of being a person of faith. None of those things get you right with God. The only thing that gets you right with God is Jesus Christ dying on the cross and believing that. If you get that, say amen. It's so important to understand because so many people, even people in churches, maybe even in this church, are completely missing that. Why? Because I missed it for 17 years. Jesus Christ, he saved us from sin's horrific consequences. But also there's a real-time thing. Because it's not just something that happened to me when I was 17 because I'm 42 years old. Wow, that's 25 years, okay? 25 years. Something's been going on in my life. Something that's been going on in your life since you become a believer in Christ. Jesus now, in real time today, is saving us from sin's destructive power. 
to understand that Jesus Christ, yes, he rescued me from my consequence back in 1994, but in real time, he's doing a saving work, a present time work in my heart. He's saving me from sin's destructive power. Is sin powerful? Do you feel it? It's kind of like Star Wars. Never underestimate the power of the dark side, all right? We all have a dark side, and it's powerful. And what it tries to do is it tries, yes, we're saved. Yes, we're children of God, but oh, it wants to rule us. And to understand what Jesus Christ is doing right now in our life is he's working and transforming us. And he doesn't want darkness to rule our life. It says we're not to walk in darkness, but to, we're to walk in light. Will you go with me to 1 John chapter 1? This is one thing that Jesus Christ is doing in our life right now. Jesus is the God saving his people from our sins. He saves us from sin's penalty, its consequence. But he also is saving us right now from sin's power. The Bible here says in 1 John chapter 1 verse 7, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, is cleansing us in real time from our sin. How many of you have sinned since you've accepted Jesus as your Savior? Raise your hand, all right? All right, I, listen, uh, I've sinned a lot. I, I, we all sin today. And understand what Jesus Christ does in, in real time. He's washing us. He's cleansing us. It's something that when we screw up, we can go to God and we can be restored. We can be cleansed. He's constantly doing this cleansing work in our life. The Bible says in verse number 9, it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Something beautiful about the name of Jesus is that Jesus saved from a penalty, but he also is saving from power of sin. That means when you sin over and over and over, you do the same thing over and over, you keep going back to God, and you, go, you turn this way, and then you got to come back to God. And God's not the one that changes. It's me that changes. And every time I return to God, God cleanse me, forgive me, wash me. He does it every time. It's kind of like Old Faithful. You ever see Old Faithful before? All the time, that thing's shooting water. There's a guy under there that turns that wheel and the, and, the, and the spray comes up. I don't know if it works that way or not. But always faithful. That's what Jesus Christ is. Always faithful to wash us from our sins. It says in verse number 21, or chapter 2, verse, verse, uh, verse number 1, my little children, these things that I write unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. To understand that Jesus Christ in a present day, in a present time, is washing you, cleansing you, getting, keeping you, and uh, doing that work of, of saving us in the real time from sin's destructive power. The Bible says this, it goes beyond not just the cleansing, but there's some power of him in, that's going on in your life. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 15, it says that God is working in us both to will and to do his good pleasure. To understand what God does is he, Jesus Christ in his present saving that he's doing in our life, he's giving us a desire and he's giving us power to obey him. Do you know why you wanted to stand out in the rain last night, okay, and stand out in the beautiful weather the night before? Why would you do that? Why would you not want to be at the mall Christmas shopping, right? Why would you not be wanting to go and doing whatever you wanted to do? Why did you have a desire to do that? Because God put that in your heart. He's the one that gave you the desire. Why are you here today? I woke up this morning and I'm like, oh, I got to go to church. <laughs> 
I'm going to hit the snooze button a few more times. So I was dead dog tired. Y'all are dead dog tired. I'd seen how hard you worked. Why are you even here today? Why aren't you all watching it online? Okay, in your bed, in your pajamas, right? Why? Because Jesus Christ has put a desire in your heart to do that. And he's given you the power to do it. Why is Gene Harmon, right, right now it's midnight in China. All right, why would he go to the other side of the world and, and, and eat Chinese food all the time, all right? You know what they call Chinese food over there? Food. All right, so like... It's so good. Oh, it's so good. We're going to P.F. Chang's after. All right, so it's so good. All right, well, we're thinking about food, uh, Jesus. All right, here we go. Why would he want to do that? Why would he want to go where the cops are harassing him? I, I, have, I have some friends in, on Hainan Island, and, and I was talking to this one pastor, this was one young church leader, and he's like, yeah, the, 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 the police are bothering me over here. But I just tell them, you know, I believe in Jesus. And they question him. They kind of rough him up a little bit. They let him go. And, he, and, and it's just like, why would that guy even want to do that? It's because Jesus is doing a real-time work in, in their life. Jesus Christ is doing, if you're a believer, he's doing something in your life right now. He's giving you cleansing. He's keeping you right with him. He's giving you a desire. He's giving you the ability. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus Christ is living his life through you. That's part of something beautiful, what the name Jesus means. Yes, it's a name. But there's way more to the, just the name. He's presently doing this powerful work in your life. And, and, and he's living in you. He's working in you. Allow him to do that. Oh man, what we do is we cut off so much of his blessing in our life. But when we just turn from him. But the cool thing is, I'm going to turn from him. Jesus Christ is with me. Emmanuel, God with me right there. I can return to him. He restores. He empowers me again. He controls me with his spirit. He can do that to you. My heart for you today is that you just reach out to your Savior. Reach out in a personal way to your Savior. Jesus Christ, his name means salvation, Savior, Rescuer. God is salvation. He saves us from sin's horrific consequence. He saves us in the real time from sin's destructive power. Could you imagine your life without Jesus Christ? Can you imagine how messed up you would be? I mean, I think about where I would be. I don't even know how bad I would be. But I'd be a mess without Christ. And understand he's doing that work. What Jesus means salvation. Emmanuel means God with us. So how, how do I get connected with God? There was a great question asked in Acts chapter 16. This guy, he was a jailer. He was a warden of a prison. Real cruel dude. And there... He came across the Apostle Paul, rejected him, thought he was nuts, beat him up a little bit. And then that night there was this miracle where this earthquake happened. And where all the prisoners could have run out, but they didn't. They decided they wanted to hear the good news instead of run to their freedom. And what happened was this jailer, this warden, walks in to the Apostle Paul. And he says, listen, what do I have to do to be saved? Okay, because Jesus Christ means God is salvation. What do I have to do to be saved? Paul did not say you got to join the First Baptist Church. Paul didn't say you got to give your money. Paul didn't say, well, you got to believe in God and just become a person of faith and, you know, listen to Caleb. He didn't say that. What he did was he said this. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's simple. It's simple. It's, 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 it's so simple a little kid can understand it. 
It's simple, but it's not easy. Believing on Christ means that you know that you're a sinner. You turn back to Him because you've been running from Him. And knowing that you're a sinner, knowing that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross, putting your faith in that work of Jesus, that He died for you, that you can't add anything to the mix, and be willing in your heart to say, Jesus, save me. I believe on you. What happens then is you get saved. That's, that's what transforms your life. That happened to me 25 years ago. That happened to Brother Harmon. He, he was selling drugs, I think, back in the Air Force. Uh, all right, do, and God changed his life. How does a drug dealer turn into a missionary? Smuggling Bibles. I kind of get what, you, what you're doing now. Just... <laughs> you can figure he knows what to do. All right. But like, how does God transform people? It's by faith in Jesus Christ that he died for you. There's the, the, the good news, Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. It's the most powerful thing in the world. It changes hearts. It changes people. My question is this. Do you know Emmanuel? Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Do you know him personally? You, not just about him. Do you know him? Are you following him? Maybe you have been following him. The reality is you've kind of fallen, oh, fallen off a step from him. And the reality is he's not far from you. Just reach out to him. I love the fact that God is with me. I love the fact that God is my Savior. I don't know about you, but that, that's a beautiful name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to this audio ministry of Grace Baptist Church. To find out more about our church, please visit www.gbcministry.org. Blessings.